Welcome to Ununinformed. This is Sean Seavey. And this is Kendall Monet. Each week we give you current events in 20 minutes or less. We bring you the news that matters so you don't feel so dumb around your smart friends. Today we're talking about the elephant in the room, a.k.a. the Republican Party. But first, let's go over the top headlines. So Kendall, Halloween is in exactly two weeks, and there's one costume that maybe you shouldn't buy. The Trump face? <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's politically charged, but uh, the clown costume. Oh, no. <laughs> now, there's been a lot of reports about sightings of clowns, creepy clowns. It started in South Carolina, where there were reports of creepy clowns in the forest. They reported to the police, and... Thanks to social media, this has started a hysteria across the U.S. As a result, there's over 100 creepy clown sightings across the U.S. And it's spreading across the U.K. and Australia. So being a creepy clown is contagious. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's, it's viral. I would otherwise ignore this story. Um, but cops have been making statements saying, Stop it. It's funny. It's, sorry. Stop it. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> Um, and it's illegal. And when I heard illegal, it kind of hit close to home because I used to do this. I uh, used to take one of those styrofoam wig holders, put it on top of my head, and put on a trench coat. And I looked like a giant alien, and we'd scare people in the Walmart parking lot. Um, is it illegal? Uh, I've researched it, and uh, fortunately I haven't found anything uh, too ominous. Dressing up like a clown cannot be illegal. Uh, in fact, I just went to a spook alley yesterday, and they had plenty of clowns and no handcuffs, and it was totally legitimate. So what's the difference here? What what makes it a danger to society versus just a prank? Well, I think kind of the gang mentality, where there's a lot of people doing it, and also the bully mentality, uh, elementary schools shutting down because kids are scared. Yeah, when it gets widespread, that's, that's a problem. Um, the difference between me is there's no... Here we go. Chlorophobia. Oh, I thought that said chloroform. Never mind. <laughs> no, okay. no You're not using chloroform when you the, go and do your pranks. No, chlorophobia is, you probably guessed, the fear of clowns. That's actually a thing. Um, and, and me dressing up in the alien thing, you know, it, it wasn't widespread and it wasn't a huge bully movement. The conclusion is aliens are better than clowns. <laughs> Don't dress up like a clown. And don't dress up like Donald Trump, because either way, you might have vigilantes out to get you. Agreed. Agreed. So our next story is the king of Thailand just died this past week, and he was actually 88. He died. He ruled for seven decades, and he was the longest reigning monarch in the world. So he was well-loved in Thailand. Even though he was mostly a symbolic figure, he ruled over the country through many a coup, military coup, and government changes. And Thailand definitely has not had... It hasn't been smooth sailing for Thailand during his tenure, I'm sure. The last 70 years, there's been plenty of, like you said, coups going on. So so how is his, his influence very important? Like I said, even though he's just a symbolic figure, I think he was a calming influence in Thailand for the people because he was so popular and so well-loved. His son, who presumably will take his place, is not as well-loved, and there there may be some instability ahead. But 
This probably won't affect your vacation. I remember I had friends going to Thailand during the last military coup a couple of years ago, and a huge part of Thailand's industry and economy is tourism. And so even though they have shakeups with their government every once in a while, they don't really let it affect how open they are as a country and obviously as a culture. And I'm aware that the prince, soon to be king, is delaying his start date for being king. Maybe it's because of his unpopularity. Yeah, maybe people want a kind of a mourning period. I have another question. This is kind of a different thing, but how influential is the king of England? Well, he's dead, so <laughs> the queen Not of England. Um, maybe even less so than the king of Thailand. The queen of England is, I think, the second longest reigning monarch. She is only symbolic. And I think most of the time leaders are just symbolic. Yeah. So some countries have actually put a tax on sugary drinks. One of these was Mexico a few years ago. And apparently it seems like taxing sugary beverages has a positive effect on the health of the citizens. And the WHO, the World Health Organization. Who? Yeah, the World... WHO. Who? who? Okay. Yeah. WHO is... Uh, they, they saw that this was important. And so they're standing behind governments that tax uh, sugary beverages. Now, what's interesting about this is WHO usually just backs... It doesn't back up first world problems. And... By doing this, they're pretty much saying the consumption of sugary beverages is not a first world problem. It's something that everybody in the world needs to consider. The who has spoken. Yeah. So if you have a Wells Fargo account, you may want to close it and transfer your money to a different bank because they have been having a bad couple of weeks. The stories came out a few weeks ago. Did you hear about this? The fake accounts that were discovered? Was this because they were receiving commission? for opening more accounts with customers? Yeah, the uh, sales culture at Wells Fargo was what we call a toxic sales culture. And so if you've ever worked in a business with a, a sales team, uh, a lot of times sales culture in general can be toxic, um, but that's just my opinion. The uh, upper management at Wells Fargo was pushing their salespeople to sell more accounts. And because of that, there was a lot of fraudulent activity happening. There were a lot of accounts opened under people's names that they didn't open themselves. The salespeople would just open these accounts to make their numbers look better. And so there's been a lot of backlash over that. There's been a lot of stories covering that issue. The CEO just recently resigned um, amidst all this scandal. So we'll see if Wells Fargo is able to turn things around and become a healthy company again, or if this will be another bank going out of business. If I'm banking at Wells Fargo and I'm not, does this actually negatively affect me as a customer? It depends. If the bank goes completely out of business, I think you're covered. But um, if you have stocks in Wells Fargo or if any of your financial dealings are tied to the performance of the company itself, you may be affected. How many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? How many seas must a white dove sail before he sleeps in the sand. Yes, and how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned?
The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Man, I could give you a prize for that. So that was Bob Dylan, and sure enough, last week he received the Nobel Prize in Literature. In Literature? Yes, he was the first songwriter to ever receive that prize. The committee said, his influence on contemporary music is profound. And you can see of the different genres, how he's uh, been in so many different genres. But a big example of how he's influenced the music community. Here's one small example that I can relate to. So he wrote the chorus to Wagon Wheel. Rock me mama like a wagon wheel. Rock me mama any way you feel. Hey mama rock me. Nice. So that was Wagon Wheel. And most people don't realize this, that that chorus was actually written by Bob Dylan. But it was made popular in 2013 when the Old Crow Medicine Show added the verses to that. Bob Dylan had just written the chorus as an outtake when he was just mumbling some things on an outtake on a recording. And Old Crow Medicine Show took it up a notch in 2013 and made it popular. Then Darius Rucker covered it and made it uh, number one on the country charts in the same year. That's awesome. I love that song. I didn't know the story behind it, though. Yeah, uh, my family has a bluegrass band, and uh, that one's always a hit. Another way he's had uh, a profound influence on the world is a lot of his songs were anti-war. But but in Blowing in the Wind, which I just read to you, it, it said, and how many times must the cannonballs fly before they are ever banned? So, yeah, anti-war. And I guess he got what he wanted because we no longer use cannonballs in warfare. Good job, Bob Dylan. <laughs> we should give him the Peace Prize as well. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So moving on to our main story for today, um, we are covering the elephant in the room, namely the Republican Party. The grand old party. That's what GOP stands for, in case you didn't know. <laughs> the Republican Party has been making a lot of headlines this year, mostly because of its front runner, Donald Trump. But we won't just talk about Trump in this segment. We're going to talk about a little bit of what's happening on the sidelines of the Republican Party and what the future might look like. So if anything we say here piques your interest, gets you fired up, if you have an opinion on this, give us a comment. Uh, comment on our, our show link on Facebook. We're just here to facilitate discussion. So let's first talk about what's been in the news. Coming up this week is the third presidential debate. It's Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. But let's talk about what happened in the second debate, because there's been plenty of newsworthy things in that. Many people described that second debate last Sunday as awkward or cringeworthy. Stephen Colbert said, like with all sequels, it left you wondering, why do they keep making these? <laughs> but let's talk about why the second debate was quote unquote cringeworthy. It's because just days before the, the debate, a video was leaked where Donald Trump bragged about how he had groped women because, quote, when you're a star, they let you do that. But his response in the second debate was this. That was locker room talk. I'm not proud of it. If you look at Bill Clinton, far worse. Mine are words and his was action. And so the big talk last week is since this happened, since this leak, women have stepped forward and a couple of them have told the New York Times their story that, sure enough, this was not an isolated incident, and they had been groped in similar ways. But the big issue here is the fallout we've seen in the Republican Party. Right. There were a lot of Republican 
senators and governors and lawmakers who dropped their endorsement for Trump or ones who had never really endorsed Trump outright, who condemned his actions and words, and they've just been dropping like flies. The Republican Party seems to be in quite a mess right now. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. What is going on in the Republican Party? And there's a lot going on outside of the Republican Party as far as third-party candidates and alternative choices to Trump and Hillary. Um, Hillary is not well-loved, just like Trump, so we don't want to be biased. Um, they're both extremely unpopular, the two most unpopular candidates in years by far. So um, we thought we would talk a little bit about third-party candidates for this election and what's been going on in the polls and the news with them, especially in some really unique areas where some really interesting things are happening. So Gary Johnson is the Libertarian Party candidate. Gary Johnson is doing okay nationally in the national polls, but national polls do not matter because states win elections. So Thank you to the Electoral College. Right. Basically, the way that works is each state has a number of votes that it can give toward a certain candidate. Sometimes. But you have to win states, not just people. Right. You have to win states, not just popular vote. So um, right now, it doesn't look like Gary Johnson will probably win any state. Um, but there is a candidate, a third-party candidate, who might win a state, and that is Utah. Utah is a swing state. Yeah, Utah is the most interesting swing state because for many years it has been the most dependably red Republican state in the Union. By wider margins, they vote Republican almost every time. And so why has Utah become a swing state? It only has six electoral college votes, so it's not that big of a deal. Wait a minute, but who else has... Uh, now, I looked at swing states that have six electoral votes, Nevada and Iowa, and those are hard-fought states. So they're quite relevant. Six, I mean, six points is better than nothing. That's true. That's true. So what's going on in Utah? His name is Evan McMullen. He's a candidate who is running an independent campaign, he comes from a Republican background, and he's backed by a lot of people in what Trump would call the Republican establishment. And so he's running as a conservative candidate, and he is also Mormon. That might explain his appeal to the Utah electorate. It worked for Mitt Romney. It did. A Utah poll came out recently that had Trump and Clinton tied at 26. So Trump before was in the 40s. Clinton always was going to be between 20 and 30. That's just what the Utah electorate looks like historically. But if you total 26 and 26, that's only 52. And so where are the rest of those votes going? So Gary Johnson, the libertarian candidate who's doing okay nationally, but um, is, has been slipping a bit from where he was in Utah, is at 14%. Which is one of his best states. Right. And his campaign is actually headquartered in Salt Lake City, Utah. Right. Um, but then Evan McMullen, this other conservative candidate, is at 22%. So Clinton and Trump tied at 26, and Evan McMullen at 22. And who the heck is Evan McMullen? So Evan McMullen worked for the CIA, he did some work for Goldman Sachs, and recently he's been working with Congress. He doesn't have any executive government experience, but that hasn't stopped Trump. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> What's the difference? Yeah, second only to Trump. Um. <laughs> so why does Evan McMullen or the people backing him think that he has a chance? 
here's Evan's path to the White House as they have theorized it and planned it out. Evan has to win Utah, which if you look at the momentum, he polled at 9%, and then the next poll in Utah was at 12%. Now he's at 22%. And this was this was mostly a reaction to Trump's leaked tape. Yeah, so the Utah crowd is known for voting on conscience and moral issues rather than strategy because of the Mormon population there. We had our correspondent TJ Dick in St. George, Utah, go to an Evan McMullen rally, and he sent us this clip. Our votes are our voice in our process, in our system. The decision about how to use your vote, I believe, should be one of principle and conscience. Now let's think tactically about the politics of this. If the race is very, very close between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, just one state or a couple of states could decide the election. They could block them both by denying both of them a majority in the Electoral College. Okay? How would they do that? They would do that by voting for a third party or an independent candidate, and then neither Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump would get a majority, and the election would go to the House of Representatives. And I like my chances there because I just came from there. And, my, and I'm an actual conservative. I'm the only conservative in this race, unfortunately. So special thanks to our correspondent in St. George, Utah, TJ Dick. It's great. That's some great footage. So I was looking on his Facebook page and in, in Twitter feed, and they're pretty excited about this. What was it? You said 22? Yeah. Compared to 25? Mm -hmm. And so they said, we are statistically tied with uh, Hillary and Trump, which is true because most of these polls have a variation of 4 to 5%. Yeah. So statistically, yeah, they were tied in this poll. You add four to Evan, minus four from Trump and Hillary. <laughs> then he's actually then he's winning. actually winning. Wow, they could have manipulated that part too. Um, so back to the path, Evan's path to the White House. If he wins Utah, and then Trump and Hillary both don't get the required 270 electoral college votes to win the presidency, then the Republican-controlled House of Congress picks the winner picks the president of the United States. And so this is a this is a rule that hasn't been used since 1824 with what was it John Quincy oh, Adams. Was it? Yeah, and they and I think they the house liked John Quincy Adams better over Andrew Jackson, but Andrew Jackson did uh, but 4 years later Andrew Jackson got the ticket. So it wasn't a popular decision, but they made the decision anyway because they had the power. And so this is what Evan McMullen's people are thinking. If Trump or Hillary don't get 270 votes, and if Evan wins Utah, he's got a chance because Speaker Paul Ryan of the House doesn't exactly like Trump. And all they do basically in the House, I learned this from House of Cards, is they get their votes together as a party and they all vote the same way. So if Paul Ryan is focusing his efforts on the House, the businesses of being Speaker of the House, that may be a signal to people like Evan or the people backing him that, hey, if this is a possibility, consider it, consider it done. So, so Evan needs to really campaign to Paul Ryan. Yeah, and his that's what he's been doing the past two or three years. He's actually been working with members of Congress. That's his. That's been his most recent job. Um, this is why Evan McMullen won't win the 
presidency. And I mean, there's always a chance, but statistically, it's not going to happen. And wouldn't it be fun to be wrong? But let's see. What is he up against, Kendall? This is why Evan won't win the presidency. Trump will probably not break 250 electoral college votes. He's doing very, very poorly in many of the states that he just has to win to keep Hillary from getting the 270 votes that she's likely to get. He has to win every single Romney state. So every single state that went to Romney in 2012, he has to win all of those, wow. plus a bunch of these states where he's just doing very poorly. And then we have things like Utah happening, where he's losing six votes here and there. So it just doesn't look like it's going to happen for Trump. So, Sean, an interesting thing that some people are saying in Utah, because of this recent Desert News poll that has Clinton tied with Trump and showing a lot of momentum for McMullen, people are saying a vote for Trump is a vote for Hillary. So people interested in voting for a third-party candidate have often been told, a vote for Johnson is a vote for Hillary, if you're talking to Trump supporters. Or a vote for McMullen is a vote for Hillary, if you're talking to Trump supporters. But in Utah, the way the math is going, and the way that Evan McMullen's momentum is happening, it's looking kind of more and more like a vote for Trump is a vote for Hillary, because Trump's numbers are sinking, and McMullen's numbers are climbing. So if you're not going to support the conservative candidate Evan McMullen, who is gaining momentum in Utah, you're probably actually throwing your vote toward Hillary Clinton. What? Yeah, it, things have totally flip-flopped in Utah. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Ununinformed with Kendall Monette. And Sean Seavey. If you liked the show, check us out on iTunes. Subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps us out. And like our page on Facebook or visit ununinformed.com. That's un-uninformed.com. Thanks, guys.